This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Hi, everyone. This is Steve Smith. Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, November 18th. J.D. Power today released the results of its annual ALG Residual Value Awards, which recognizes automakers' outstanding achievements for vehicles that are forecasted using a proprietary model to hold the highest percentage of their manufacturer's suggested retail price after three years. Eric Lyman, vice president at J.D. Power, behind the research, says the annual study is important for both dealers and consumers when shopping for and selecting a vehicle to purchase, particularly when buying off-lease vehicles at auction or financing a deal where you expect to resell a vehicle in a few years. Those residual values also become increasingly important as automakers switch to building EVs, and the maturity of the battery technology in those vehicles improves model year after model year. What brands are the winners in this year's study? In the mainstream segment, it's once again vehicles manufactured by Honda, Subaru, and Toyota. In fact, these are the only three brands that have won residual value awards in the mainstream segment since the inception of the study in 2000. It's an example, says Lyman, of how brand perceptions built up over decades remain sticky. Although other automakers have increased quality over the years to equal vehicles manufactured by Japanese brands, the quality brand Honda, Toyota, and Subaru have built up over the past several decades continues to be reflected in the higher residual values for the cars they built today. Who were the winners in the luxury segment? Why does the new Ford Bronco earn the top spot in the hot off-road segment, overtaking brands like Jeep in year one of production? And what does the study reveal about EVs and their residual value? We've caught up with Eric Lyman, VP at J.D. Power in Southern California. Eric, thanks so much for joining me today on Daily Drive. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. Well, we're thrilled to have you on the show. Very interesting topic today, and that is the J.D. Power Residual Value Awards. Can you tell us about the awards? What does it measure? What are the eligibility requirements? Yeah, so the Residual Value Awards measure the vehicles in each segment and an overall brand that are expected to retain the most of their original MSRP after three years of life. So the three years is aligned with the typical lease term, 36 months. So it's really designed to measure, you know, what are the vehicles from a leasing perspective that are likely to have uh, the lowest lease payment just based on that calculation of, of vehicle retention and residual value. And, uh, but it's also really important for uh, people that are going to buy cash or finance as well, because it's likely that you're also concerned about resale value as well. So uh, f- the residual value awards represent those vehicles who best hold their value. Uh, so if you go to resell the vehicle as well, it's important to check RVAs and see if your vehicle's at the top of the list. And as far as eligibility requirements, um, we have uh, we require four vehicles to create a unique segment. And for the brand awards, we require a brand to compete in four unique vehicle segments. So there's sort of a rule of four there. And those are really the only eligibility requirements. We do have 
also some requirements around market share or total volume so that the really niche vehicles, which tend to hold their value because they are low volume niche vehicles sometimes, um, if those end up being the winners, we have some rules around that. But those are very rare. We don't see that happen too often. So it's it's not really something that pops up too much. Such an important topic. And I think even particularly now, as we see the new vehicle inventory shortage and we're seeing uh, the the price for used vehicles just continue to go up. Um, quickly, how long has this study existed um, and how has it grown over time? Yeah, we kicked off the residual value awards uh, under ALG back in 2000. I was actually there at the time. I've been at ALG such a long time. Um, and I actually still have the original trophy uh, when when the office is kind of closed. I grabbed that thing and I took it. So it's sitting on my desk here at my home office. And we only had 10 segments at the time. Uh, we did not have any brand awards. Um, and so now we've grown up, grown out to about 29 segments, um, as obviously as the industry has grown. And we've seen new segments all over the place, particularly in the utility uh, super segment. And we also added the brand awards in about 2004 to recognize those brands that as a portfolio represent vehicles that hold their value the best over time. So let's dive into some of the findings from this year's studies. Who are the winners on the mainstream and luxury side and why? So the mainstream brand winner is Honda. And on the luxury side, we have Lexus as the winners. Um, these are not uncommon brands to win the award. They both won the award plenty of times before. So um, no big surprise there. And um yeah, I, I, we, I guess we could dig in on the segments. There's 29 of them. So to list them all uh, might not be the most appropriate way to go through them. But uh, we could either call out. I know you've you've got an advanced copy of the list. So we can either talk about individual winners or talk about individual segments, uh, however you'd like to do it. One of the things that was interesting to me about the the data that I looked at was when it comes to the mainstream brands. And when you look at the life of the study, there have been three companies that have been the winners every single year, and they're all Japanese brands. Why is that? <laughs> yes, exactly. To your point. In fact, I should have uh, mentioned Honda. This is their 10th time winning the award. So they're getting really comfortable up at the top of the podium there. And the other two brands that we've seen are Subaru with eight awards and, and Toyota with one uh, brand award. So the, the reason these brands do so well is because the, the Japanese brands have really had a, a strong reputation for long-term durability and quality. And, and the long-term durability really is aligned with strong resale value. It makes sense, right? So you're buying a used vehicle in the used market. Somebody's already owned it for a couple of years. You want to make sure that when you acquire that vehicle, that it's going to last, that you're not going to be you know, taking it into the shop or that it's, it's able to sort of withstand the long haul in terms of quality. And that, that alignment with reputation for quality uh, also drives that strong resale value. And, you know, Honda especially, they, they've, they check a lot of boxes in terms of best practices that ALG looks at for um, keeping high resale values and residual values. So not only the quality, but also their use of incentives is, is very disciplined. They tend to stay away from the, the cash, customer cash discounting a lot. Um, 
you know, they do some interesting things with their life cycle. You know, at the end of the year, they tend to have these special edition vehicles. So they discount the price on the vehicle itself rather than putting incentives on the hood of the car. Um, they have a really simple um, build strategy. So they don't have a lot of options. And and from, from the, our perspective as a, a third-party valuation company, that makes things a lot cleaner and easier to understand. And I believe it also resonates with consumers because there isn't a lot of build complexity out there. And build complexity also, to your point about inventory on the lots these days, um, you know, the, the build complexity, the fewer configurations you have of vehicles, uh, sure, that limits the sort of customer options. But that isn't necessarily a bad thing because uh, what you have is a vehicle that then fits the profile of what consumers are looking for when they browse online, right? So you can limit sort of the, the, the turn rate of vehicles. You can limit the time vehicles are sitting on, on the dealer's lots. And that limits the incentives uh, that, that sometimes are required to get that vehicle off the lot and also limits some of the, the lot rot and warranty issues we see from vehicles that sit a long time. So those are really kind of random factoids about Honda, but they all convene into this reputation and image and, and marketplace strategy of strong residual values. It's so interesting because I think many folks, and I'm one of them, believe that the quality gap between um, cars made by the Detroit 3 and those made by the Toyotas, the Hondas, the Subarus, and the Nissanas of the world you know, the gaps in the quality that we saw in the 80s and the 90s, those have largely gone away, I believe. And I think a lot of people believe that as well. And so it's interesting that there seems to be this continued brand halo that Japanese manufacturers get despite that parody based on these things that that, you know, made them shine and continues to make them shine dating back decades. It's so surprising to me that they continue to be seen that way. And the value of those vehicles continues to, to elevate the way it does. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. And the J.D. Power research uh, validates exactly what you're saying, not just the domestic manufacturers, but also the Korean manufacturers. You look at Stellantis and, and Hyundai and Kia, and they've done really well in those J.D. Power quality surveys. Not that we're here to talk about that, but when it comes to customer perception of quality, it takes a really long time to to reshape the minds of consumers with the realities of the marketplace. And um, unfortunately, you know, the, the, the brands that have struggled in the past, the domestic brands, the, the Korean brands, they're still working on improving that reputation with consumers. Um, and, and we've studied this. We used to, to monitor something called perceived quality, and, and we see that that uh, tracks well with residual value. And, and the, the Korean and domestic brands still continue to suffer in, in perception of quality overall. And, um, you know, but but we have definitely noticed a contraction in the gap in residual values and resale values in the used market. And that really happened in the early 2010s following the the initiatives um, after the Great Recession of, of the brands, the domestic brands and Korean brands to really address those quality issues and to really focus on um, building great cars. I mean, you look at the average lifespan of vehicles in the marketplace right now, it's about 12 years. Vehicles are lasting a long time. Overall, vehicle quality is vehicle quality is is really good, better than it's ever been, certainly. But there still are these long-held perceptions among consumers about a disparity in quality in the marketplace that that simply aren't true. And when we see it 
in the data. We see it in that resale value for those brands that have that reputation. We'll be right back with more. Your service check-in process sets the tone for your customer's entire visit. Do your customers wait longer than five minutes to check in for service? Are your advisors presenting upsells to every customer every time? How often is the opportunity for trade appraisals missed? When your service drive gets busy, these inefficiencies directly impact revenue. Give your customers the option to handle the entire check-in process themselves. From appointment scheduling through final confirmation, all in under two minutes. Customers have the experience they want while selling themselves, which means your advisors are freed up to focus on profit-producing activities. It's a win-win for both CSI and your revenue. Introducing a smarter service lane. GoMoto is the self-service kiosk designed to grow your business. If you're ready to start increasing revenue, improving the customer experience, and maximizing service efficiency today, visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. So let's dive down one level. At the model level, what are the most likely to retain the residual value? Yeah, so the model level, I mean, clearly what we're seeing is, is trucks right now. Uh, the retention is, is off the charts. And we expect trucks to come down a little bit as supply grows, uh, as, as more volume is getting out there. But trucks, pickup trucks still are, you know, the top retained uh, value segments out there. And we've got, you know, once again, the midsize pickup truck winner is the Toyota Tacoma. They have won every single year going all the way back to 2001. They did not win in the debut year in 2000. That was actually the Dodge Dakota, but uh, they've won every year since. So no surprise to see them at, at the top of the podium again. Um, and, and, you know, the off-road utility kind of aligned with trucks is a segment we break out as well. And, um, you know, we see uh, some phenomenal retention for all the vehicles in that segment, which include the Forerunner and the Wrangler. But the winner this year is is actually the Bronco, the Ford Bronco in its first year. We expect the, the pent-up demand for the Bronco and all the excitement around, around the vehicle, despite some of the challenges with the launch, um, that is going to be the top retained vehicle in the segment. And in fact, those challenges with the launch sort of limiting the supply that's coming out for this first debut model year actually plays into uh, scarcity in the marketplace, which increases the residual values. So yes, they've had some challenges and folks that follow the industry have, have maybe been a little critical of, of the rollout of the, the Bronco, but in the end, we're expecting that vehicle to top the segment in terms of residual values. That is such an interesting story you're telling. I mean, the the off-road segment is so hot. And here you come with a, an iconic nameplate uh, resurrecting that. And immediately, you overtake Jeep Wrangler. You overtake Toyota 4Runner on the heels of, by the way, the Gladiator coming out, which I assume has its own popularity. What is, what is perhaps, you know, what is driving, you think, 
Bronco being number one. And is that something you've seen in the past, a first year of a model coming out that it really captures the top spot of residual value? Well, certainly the first year a vehicle is out um, it is going to be the the highest residual value forecast year, generally speaking, because it's all new. So we're in the industry. We're used to that the the cyclicality of product, the product cadence, the the all new vehicle is always the the shiniest, brightest object. Um, so it's not unusual to see. I mean, we've got the Grand Wagoneer winning in the full size utility segment as well. So there's another example of an all new vehicle um, winning the award. So it, it's it's pretty common. Um, but you know, sometimes um, it also takes a little bit of, of of time to build up that momentum and maybe overtake a brand or a vehicle that has done really well year after year. So it's not a sort of uh, across the board rule, but it's it's definitely not uncommon to see a first year vehicle winning. What does the study reveal regarding residual value of electric vehicles, which is such an interesting area? Um, you know, I think a lot of folks think, okay, hey, if I'm going to buy an EV today, is the technology going to advance so far that it becomes obsolete or it's not the best out there in come three, five years from now? Is the value of that vehicle going to be less than than one that is available today with with newer technology? Can you talk a little bit about what the study reveals regarding residual value of electric vehicles? Yeah, residual values for electric vehicles has been a bit of a roller coaster ride since they really came out in in full volume with the the Leaf uh, back in 2011 2012. Um, but we're starting to see those vehicles kind of hit their stride. Uh, as there are more and more vehicles out there from different manufacturers and, and really dedicated EVs as well that have unique styling, um, we're seeing more consumers sort of understand and sort of get what electric vehicles offer from an ownership experience. And we see that also in the, in the J.D. Power uh, electric vehicle syndicated research and studies that we're doing. Once people have some exposure to an EV, they love it. And, and I think you are starting to see that play out in the values. Um, the, the word is spreading that the EV ownership experience is great. You know, you never got to visit the gas station, um, limited maintenance, et cetera. So we are seeing um, a, a improvement in residual values. The, the first generation kind of sub 100 mile city EVs, frankly, did not do very well in the marketplace. But now we've got the 250 mile is sort of the, the status quo, the, the normal um, you know, cost of entry, if you will, for, for an EV, and that's sufficient. And so we're seeing a, a, a big recovery in the values. And of course, we can't talk about EVs with, without mentioning Tesla. So they have been sort of the tip of the spear from what you're talking about, the technology implementation, um, EVs in general, EV volume. Um, and of course, they top this segment. Now, all of their vehicles are in the premium electric segment. So it really is a battle for, for of Tesla to see who's on top. And no surprise, it's the Model Y, given the affordable price point and also the utility-esque uh, body style of the Model Y lands it at the top spot of, of the premium electric segment. And interestingly, on the, on the mainstream side, we actually see the Hyundai Kona EV um, winning the electric segment and also the Kona winning the micro utility segment. So they kind of got a twofer in the, uh, in the form of the Kona winning both the ICE and the EV variant residual value awards. 
Well, another example of what you talked about earlier about the Koreans making some very, very strong moves and some very strong advancements in the residual value of of those those Korean brands. Yeah, absolutely. And we're seeing that on the uh, the Kia side as well. So the, the Kia K5 uh, is landing at the top of the midsize segment, which is I think it's it's one of those things that's it's it really shows how far the Kia brand has come. It's a major accomplishment. I mean, this is a segment that was just dominated for years by high quality, high residual value retaining vehicles like the the Camry and the Accord and the 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 Subaru. Um, uh, so it's it's really a feather in the cap of Kia to to uh, win this award for the K5, which is also kind of really with the K5, they, they've kind of reinvented themselves in this segment, making the vehicle much more sporty, much more athletic and kind of a unique um, design uh, approach there. And then on the utility side, um, I don't think this is going to come as a surprise for anyone who has been shopping in the in the three row utility segment. The Telluride has landed the top spot. I mean, we are continuing to hear reports about um, dealer markups on the Telluride that are in some cases ten thousand dollars over sticker. So uh, their retention is just off the charts right now. Uh, when you when you have that big of a markup on your new vehicle, your kind of late model, your one and two year old vehicles are also going to transact pretty close to MSRP, and that's driving a really strong retention for the Kia Telluride. So, um, lots of kudos to the Kia. Kia, a great job really reinventing the brand over the, the last ten years, and are finally sort of bearing fruit um, with regards to. Um, moving the needle on consumer sentiment around residual values and resale value, which was really kind of a thorn in their side for, for many years. I'm curious overall, and, and let's, we'll close our conversation with this. Cars are built at the highest quality when those manufacturing lines start and they don't stop. You do the same, same things over and over and over again. There are no supply chain disruptions. I'm curious. Do you forecast, do you believe, do you anticipate that cars that are being built during COVID, cars that are being built during this semi-chip shortage and the the resulting production halts, do you think we're going to see a dip in residual value for these vehicles two, three years down the line versus a... 2019 vehicle or a 2022 2023 vehicle yeah i think that's a that's a really interesting question and i i'll i'll say it it's it's a little bit outside my area of expertise in in manufacturing and supply chain management but um i think the issue around supply chain management and some of the production issues that we're facing sort of through covid and, and after covid um are really interesting. And and while the issues around quality of the vehicles themselves and and production issues is a little outside my wheelhouse, what I can tell you is that the overall drop in supply is going to contribute to some sustained high values in the used market in the future. So we're seeing almost astronomical values among three-year-olds in the marketplace right now. I mean, the, the industry average is in the 60s. That is extremely high. Um, and, and we do expect things to cool off as we get a return to kind of a new normal. But ALG is actually anticipating a significant reduction in incentive spend over the long term, which combined with these drops in use supply is going to yield some really strong residual values um, 
over the next few years in, in the marketplace. And to give you a, some, some numbers around that, I mean, we're expecting about a four percentage point increase in values for vehicles coming back in 2024 calendar year. And, um, you know, four points higher than sort of the five-year pre-COVID average. So I think the, the quality issues or production woes and the stop-start, like you mentioned, are, are real issues. But I think when you look at holistically the entire environment, some of the other factors around more disciplined sales strategy, higher transaction prices for new vehicles, lower supply, and continued demand. I mean, we see continued population growth. Um, you know, uh, uh, the downturn in sales through COVID is going to have a long tail effect of, of fewer vehicles overall registered in the United States. And so we see that there's still a lot of positive drivers of, of strong residual value over the next few years that are going to um, kind of overtake any of those those quality issues that you mentioned. Eric, thanks so much for joining me today on Daily Drive and appreciate you sharing the latest results and insights from the Residual Value Awards. I appreciate you taking a few minutes. Anytime. Happy to be here. That's Daily Drive for November 18th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And to catch up on all episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash daily drive. As always, thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow.